0: Welcome to The Socialist Program. This is the audio of our monthly seminar. Subscribe and support this programming at patreon.com slash the socialist program to join live once a month and ask Brian Becker your questions and listen to them as soon as they come out. Thanks so much for your help in keeping this independent show going. We can make this program with you, but not without you.
1: You know, The Socialist Program isn't Only to bring news and analysis and information, even though we try to do that with a very high degree of professionalism. We're trying to build the movement. We're trying to build a socialist movement, a movement for social justice, a movement against racism, against imperialism, against war. And the last year has really been a sort of singularly important event for those trying to build movements for social justice. It's pretty much been a year unlike any other certainly we have you know the catastrophe of COVID or the catastrophe of COVID mismanagement the mass unemployment because of the capitalist government's failure on that front but this remarkable mass movement that developed after the killing of George Floyd on May 25th in Minneapolis recent reports show that as many as 35 to 40 million people participated in protests during that six seven eight week period and I would say half of them maybe were participating in a protest for the first time. And our whole view of socialism or socialist consciousness or political consciousness is that consciousness grows when people are involved in struggle. If people are just at home going about their business, trying to you know survive as most working class people are trying to do, or distracted by the things that the ruling class would like to distract people with, even if they hear socialist ideas, socialist analysis, it won't necessarily lead them to becoming socialists or to becoming radicals or to becoming revolutionaries or to becoming activists. But once they themselves are in struggle, once people come into the struggle, once they're dealing with the problems of the movement, once they become actors in the political process, everybody wants to know more. Everybody wants to find out what's the root of the problem, what's going on here, why in this case the epidemic of police killings of racism that seems to be unmitigatable after you know four centuries of you know enforced white supremacy by capitalism once it took root on the shores of North America. People want to learn at that point and and so the listenership to our program is because people are in struggle and they're wanting information, they're wanting news and analysis, they're wanting a political perspective, and they're also giving back or promoting or taking these same ideas out to their friends and neighbors and coworkers. That's our concept of movement building so that the show isn't a show in isolation, but part and parcel of contextualized by this larger social movement. We had the verdict yesterday. I mean, I'm sure each and every one of us on this call was sitting there watching, waiting, listening with bated breath to see what would happen. And the fact that the trial was organized by the police and the DA the way it was so that they were really trying to get a conviction this time of Derek Chauvin. Again, as we've been saying on the show, because they were afraid of a mass rebellion in the country coast to coast, east to west, north to south, that certainly would have happened If there was an acquittal, even Joe Biden, as president said, he was praying yesterday for the right verdict. The ruling class was desperately looking for a conviction. But there we were, you know, waiting, waiting, everybody. There was so much tension. People were in the streets in Minneapolis at George Floyd Plaza, but all over the country. And then that sense of exuberance and joy and an affirmation of people's power when all three murder counts came in with convictions by the jury, it was like an astonishing moment. And I was looking at, I think it was CNN or, I don't know, one of the networks, and one of George Floyd's brothers was talking, and he he said, this is a moment in history, and he referred to an earlier moment in history, and he was talking about the lynching of Emmett Till, 13 years old, but where his mom decided to keep his mutilated body in an open casket so all could see and how that became like a triggering event along with the montgomery bus boycott what happened with the emmett till killing and what happened afterwards it set into train a mass movement unlike anything that had happened in the united states up until that time and i think george floyd's brother is right i think What we've witnessed and what's happened after the killing of George Floyd is really a turning point. It doesn't mean police killings are gonna stop. We saw that cops in Ohio killed that 15-year-old girl yesterday, the same day. And we've been talking about the fact that since the beginning of the Chauvin trial, 64 other people were killed by police, just in three weeks. That's not gonna change. But the movement or the change in political consciousness, that is happening.
0: So we can get started with some of the questions that we have gotten in over the past week or so. Let's start with, can you comment on the efforts from the establishment to create a fake left to distract people away from the source of our troubles? This was seen pointedly in the case of the recent election in Ecuador, where the fake left candidate who was out of the running in the runoff election encouraged his voters to cast a null vote rather than supporting the actual left candidate Arauz, producing a narrow victory for the right-wing neoliberal candidate, Lasso, who will now serve a full term. So he's really looking to hear more about how that is being used in the United States.
1: Yeah, that's an important point. It's not all orchestrated and organized from like some big war room by the United States, but U.S. imperialism is well aware that in order to have profound, far-reaching, and decisive impact on politics— It can't simply rely on right-wing organizations, right-wing parties, and parties that are explicitly apologists, either for capitalism or for the U.S. role in global politics. In order to have influence, it needs to have some ability to operate within and among people who would consider themselves to the left or to be liberal. There's an important book. The name of the book is The Cultural Cold War. The writer is Frances Stoner Sanders. She's not a Marxist. She's not a leftist. So it's really well worth reading the book because it shows how the Central Intelligence Agency in the United States, around the world, in the FBI and the CIA inside the United States, provided funding for political organizations, for artists, for writers, for cultural figures in particular, but also political organizations on the left as long as they were hostile to the Soviet Union during the Cold War. So the CIA and the U.S. intelligence services made a point that they wanted to promote anti-Soviet leftists so that the chorus of anti-Sovietism wasn't simply on the right. Because a lot of progressive and liberal and left people will reject anti-communism or anti-Sovietism, or in in our contemporary period, the anti-China crusade, if it just comes from like Trump supporters, or if it comes from right-wing Republicans. But if it comes from social Democrats, if it comes from liberals, if it comes from human rights organizations like Human Rights Watch, or Amnesty International, which work hand in glove with the United States in the run-up to the first Gulf War, promoting all of these really fake news about Saddam Hussein's atrocities, that's very effective. And this book shows that this has been done significantly. So in particular, as the socialists, the global socialist movement split in 1918 after the Russian revolution and the left-wing socialists and the left-wing anarchists came together, it was hard to come together, but they came together and they formed communist parties In the united states and all around the world those who didn't go to the communist parties who stayed in the socialist parties or created other social democratic parties although they were not all you know sort of the moderate anti-soviet or less revolutionary wing i mean eugene debs for instance stayed in the socialist party although he was also a very strong supporter of the soviet union but he had spent his whole life in the socialist party and was the presidential candidate From his jail cell in 1920, where he got more than a million votes for his principal position against war, he was sentenced, by the way, Debs, to 10 years at hard labor at the age of 65, and he was serving his time. He was in jail, had been in jail for multiple years by the time he got out. But Debs aside, and some other people aside, the Social Democrats actually were organized on an anti-Soviet basis, and when... During World War II, as you all know, the United States was an ally of the Soviet Union. The Soviet Union, Britain, and the United States fought together against fascist Germany and Italy. And during the wartime alliance, American anti-Soviet propaganda and anti-Stalin propaganda was very muted. There was actually a very kind of, Stalin was presented in kind of a friendly way during the war years. Movies were made, you know, he was Uncle Joe, Anyway, that all changed when American foreign and military policy reoriented at the end of World War II when the Soviets had gotten stronger, which the imperialists did not anticipate. They thought the Soviets would have been destroyed because they were contending with 80% of the German Nazi divisions while the West didn't open up a Western front. So they had pretty much thought the Soviet Union is not going to do very well, but the Soviet Union defeated fascism. Launch the counteroffensive, liberated Eastern and Central Europe, spread Soviet influence in the Red Army far, far, far to the Western Europe, and that's when the Cold War starts.
0: That's all for this preview. If you'd like access to the rest of this seminar and our entire archive of exclusive seminars with Brian Becker, become a patron at patreon.com/the socialist program. We are an independent show and we cannot make this programming without you. Thanks so much for your support.